0: Amazon is providing this wonderful marketplace, millions of customers searching for product every single minute. So that's where you want to be. You want to be where the
1: customers are. Today's podcast is brought to you by Aurelia Pay. I use them personally for sending money to my Chinese suppliers from Hong Kong. It's a cross-border payment solution between China, Hong Kong, and Southeast Asia. So when I need to make a payment to a Chinese supplier, I just hop online to place the remittance pay to the Aurelia Pay's Hong Kong-based bank account and Aurelia Pay will settle RMB within the same business day. So check them out online at www.aureliapay.com or check them out linked in our show notes. Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight-up, actionable advice. And now, your host, Michael Michelini. All right, everybody. Global From Asia, episode 196. Angelica, how are you today?
2: Yes, I'm doing good, Mike. And you?
1: It's I don't know if it's the same for you in, in Manila, but it's really hot in Shenzhen. I'm I'm I feel like it's hotter than the summer. I don't know. It's been a lot more air conditioning required. I usually try to live with fans, but how about you is, is it hot there?
2: It's actually raining here in Manila. Like we have low pressure area right now, so it's like raining, thunderstorms. Wow. Well, so it's a bit cooler. I
1: feel like it's yeah. always raining there. <laughs>
2: i know since it's already bare months it's already october so it's a rainy season for for the philippines right now
1: all right anyway well hopefully the sun comes out soon and let's uh let's just uh you know don't let the rain get us down and i uh I'm busy being a dad I had a whole week With the kids Their moms was home From school Because it was golden week Like I mentioned So It's oh, the, nice. All these holidays But I'm still <laughs> Still doing our work And we're still working hard On the cross-border matchmaker You've gotten more involved Talking to some pr- Pretty cool people about it
2: Yeah With the Cross-border matchmaker event It's Uh, Going great. Uh, We have a lot of people um, joining in and um, interested with the event. So if our listeners um, wanted to join us, they can message us on our GFA official WeChat so that we can entertain their um, inquiries. And yeah, hope they can join.
1: Sure. And... Yeah, actually, we've gotten a lot of people complimenting on our content lately. Well, we have been working extra hard, but uh, uh, my friend Greg in in, in Chicago sent me a message. He says he's really noticing our content's improving. He likes the members uh, series and uh, our videos. We're doing more videos on Global From Asia, too. Some people might Mm -hmm. not even know. But but yeah, and how about our member series for this week? Who's up?
2: Yeah, our member series we featured this week is um, Lorenzo so um, we published that last Wednesday and this coming Wednesday we have Jelena one of her uh, chapter organizers and we still have a couple of um, members lined up so
1: yeah Yeah. Uh, Helena Helena
2: Uh, Helena yeah I'm sorry
1: that's okay and yeah she's yeah these are both great they're uh, Lorenzo he's been on a podcast a few times actually for an e-commerce series and uh (laughs) And uh, and then yeah, Helena helped out with the Shenzhen meetups. Um, she'll be back from Europe soon, so it's great to have everybody getting involved and getting them showcasing them on the site. So let's talk about this week's show. This week we have Murray Priestley. He is talking about he's an investor. Um, talk. He loves investing in digital businesses. He he and I have a great conversation about the investment. uh, Mindset what investors are looking for he's mm-hmm. setting up shop in Hong Kong, so I always try to help out you know our asia based startups and and businesses and e commerce companies he's interested to get involved with them and we he gives us some pointers, so hopefully some listeners can get some at least get some information, but also maybe get some investments from from murray he's uh he's doing some great stuff, so let's tune in yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to our Global From Asia podcast interview series. We have with us Murray Priestley. Hey, Murray, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks, Mike. Thanks for thanks for the invitation. No, it's great to have you. So you're the author of The $1 Million Payday. And you, with your partner, Stephen, uh, focus on helping Asia-based online, I think Asia-based, but maybe, or maybe online businesses anywhere, buying, scaling, and selling their online businesses. So I'm definitely excited to have you on a show and, uh, and learn some more perspectives about investment scenes and, and uh, online businesses here in Asia. So, so uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, yeah. look, we're, we're actually a, um, I guess we're
0: a small private equity firm. So we, we raised some capital, uh, used that to buy into some Amazon businesses. Um, we've bought a number of brands, have learned a lot of lessons on the way through, have spun out a services company and uh, definitely, as services companies helping a lot of a lot of um, some Chinese factories, and uh, you know, a whole bunch of other clients from around the world do better on Amazon. Uh, but we've you know, we've raised more money now, and so we've we've basically about November, we'll have finalised a, um, a Malta-based fund to uh, to really go and do what we've been doing in a small way, but do it in a much much bigger way.
1: So. Okay. Yeah,
0: it's uh, it's it's a very interesting world we live in here in Asia.
1: Yeah, Asia. We were talking about it before the recording is is uh, I guess what keeps us here. I think it's it's the growth, it's the opportunity. It's, it's I'll speak for myself, but I think the action or the adrenaline, the energy. But uh, yeah, it's it's great. Uh, it's great to have you, you know, paying attention. So you're originally from Australia. I'm 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 in Australia actually sitting here
0: right now, but uh, about to move and live in Singapore. Um, but have worked for the last I don't know 20 years up and up and down in Asia, Hong Kong, Korea, uh, Singapore. Uh, lived in all of those places. So yeah, we're sort of coming back coming back home if you like coming back to live in Singapore for a bit. Great. Um, but uh, it, it's as for the same as we, we were talking about before it's just the energy of, of what's happening in Asia not only you know young entrepreneurs who are doing you know some amazing things from the investor capital perspective you know raising raising capital into funds uh, there's a lot more available capital in in Asia uh, than pretty much anywhere else in the world so yeah there's there's a lot of good reasons why Asia is Asia is headquarters right
1: now definitely so. So you work with both sides, I mean, as far as the investment side or the entrepreneur side? I guess the um, um,
0: a look, a quick background, I used to work for electronic data systems, so big IT outsourcing company. So I guess my bent is that uh, to look at how a business is running and figure out how we can improve it. So we kind of initially raised uh, some capital thinking that we would buy them, fix them, and sell them. Okay. And so uh, if, if we bought, say, 10... Amazon sellers and we then stitched together the back end to lower the cost of operation, you know, improve sourcing, um, you know, improve, you know, customer service, all, all the things that rather than do it 10 times, you know, we could do it once for everybody. Yeah. So we kind of built a, a services platform that we can deliver, you know, just the standard things about keeping stores running. Um, and so that was the idea to lower costs um, to be able to use, you know, good marketing, good good uh, sales skills and then grow revenues and then sell it to a bigger guy. Cool. That was the plan. I we, do that. we did run into a bunch of problems on the way through um, and we learned that if you don't buy cheap, if you don't source extremely well, then there's not much you can do over time because margins erode over time. You know, mm. the, your product sells really well for six months and then, You know, one of the competitors drops the price, and then you have to kind of drop to compete, and suddenly you've got no margin, so you can't advertise, and then you're, you know, you're in a world of hurt. So we we've learnt that lesson. We're still uh, that part of the business is kind of shutting down, and but the services side of the of the business. So I guess to answer the question, I yes, I, I kind of think in two sides. I think from the investor side, but I'm also thinking, you know, right now I oversee the operations. And, and to make sure that we're operating in a way that's efficient, um, so it's kind of like difference between private equity and venture capital. I mean, we're we're private equity, so we're hands on. Cool. Whereas venture capital might take a, a you know a hands off approach. And uh, but the, the new um, the new bigger fund is definitely uh, a private equity play as well, with with the focus on um, finding businesses that are
1: providing services. To e-commerce companies, makes sense. So, services. So that's November. You said you're planning to launch that, or November? November should be completely closed. um, But
0: we're we're out looking now. So we're, um, you know, we are actively looking for for companies. Whether they, you know, I'd like them to have some sales to start with. That would be good. Um, So not completely startup. Um, But you know, if you've if somebody's got a got a business that provides services. It could be logistics. It could be, uh, financing. It could be education. It could be, uh, software, um, you know, tools, whatever, in order to support, you know, companies that are taking risk on inventory and actually, you know, making an, an e-commerce business. Got it. We, we want to basically build a portfolio of companies that, that can provide services. Great. So within Asia or is it global? It, It would be global. Um, but since we're in Asia, it's highly likely that, you know, we'll find some great opportunities here in Asia. Um, All right. The, uh, you know, definitely there's some, uh, you know, American software companies that that um, are, are, you know, are potentially up for grabs. But, uh, you know, we, we may do some, you know, we may, for example, buy some software or software company and then move its operations into Asia because it's cheaper to operate and, you know, the the core part of the business can be here in Asia. Thanks. look, it's, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. We we want to take the view that um, we could outsource or we could, you know, pull people into a, a services thinking, a platform thinking where we can lower their costs and therefore let the business focus on what it does well, you know, innovation, sales, getting customers, and then let all the back-end stuff get done by, you know, another team, so... Makes at least sense. that's a theory, and you know what happens with theory sometimes you <laughs> have to pivot
1: and <laughs> start with a new theory yeah, but it's, i feel, I believe in it i mean, I think that is one of the, the powers of asia is the is the access to so much labor and uh it's such a diverse amount of talent uh at different levels and, and in labor arbitrage i mean you yeah, well, you know we've got
0: we've got attainments in the philippines um so the the you know the average cost of of running that team is obviously a lot less than if we had them all sitting in Hong Kong. True, um, true. But if but if you go across, you know we we know some great software guys that are just you know north of Macau, um, and so you know they're in main mainland China, but they're you know supremely skilled, um, but for cost you know very cost effective. So we're we're definitely open to to you know putting people where they need to be. I'm not a huge fan of having, you know, people, you know single people being hired into virtual teams that live all over the world. I, I kind of haven't, maybe I'm too old, but I haven't really <laughs> seen that work that well. I'd prefer to have, you know, more than half the team sitting in the one office so they can work with each other and see each other and, you know, and be cross-skilled and all the rest of it. But yeah, look, you know, as as I said uh, at the start, the co- this whole co-working Um, you know, phenomena around the world and, you know, you'd have it in where you are definitely in Hong Kong. There's probably 10 of them. In Singapore, there's about eight of them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I just, I can't, you know, everything is just fantastic. I love walking into a co-working space and then just finding out what people do. I mean, it's all these entrepreneurs and this is, you talk about energy. I mean, the the energy of co-working is fantastic. So, somehow it'd be nice to be able to help some of those companies, you know, grow faster.
1: It makes sense. Yeah. It's, I think Hong Kong is like, a, I don't want to say bubble, but there's so many co-working spaces there now. It's really, uh, really out of, out of hand almost. Uh, I, I think that uh, it leads me into my question about uh, opportunities. So what would you say is a good way you, you find opportunities in uh, in these markets Look, right now the uh, word of mouth is the is the best boy
0: um, having sort of have a, a pretty good network around the world you know you meet people obviously going to conferences and meeting you know different people listening to what some of the people who speak you know go talk to them ask them about you know whos who are they helping just talking I mean that's um, to me um, I, you know we have more people to talk to than we have the time of day. So, but it's about finding, you know, what, you know, what are, what are, you know, how do, how do we qualify a good opportunity? That's probably the, the, the harder question. There's, mm. there's so many opportunities. The, that uh,
1: is true. But that
0: look, is. you, know, you say that, you know, Hong Kong with co-working, it's a bubble. I mean, Singapore, the government, I don't know if it's still available. The government was providing um, 100% lease, lease financing. Um, <laughs> Uh, grants to people who started co-working spaces (laughs) so suddenly you know every every man and his dog was is renting out you know a thousand square meters in a building and kitting it out because a hundred percent of it is um is being you know funded by the government singapore government which is you know great it's fantastic i mean that that's what you want out of the government to to support you know business and and uh, commerce but yeah so we we just can't wait to really really uh you know get a little further down the path of what we're trying
1: to do so it's true i know in in mainland china too there's it's not as clear cut really but a lot of times the co-working spaces or these programs i talk to have government support or or financing and deals but yeah it's good for the i think it's it's a good way from bottom up kind of and let rather well maybe is that top down maybe but at least it's going more closer to the entrepreneur or the startup uh community which is important, and
0: and Look, uh, I, I don't know if you've mentioned this to your listeners in the past, but uh, you know, in where you are, and uh, pretty much you know, all through all throughout uh, China, there's ecom ecom centers, and so they're e-commerce parks. They're they they're like business parks where 100 percent of the companies that are in it are all e-commerce companies, but but rather like in Western culture, we we. Um, we kind of look at things and say let's let's try and be an individualist let's try and you know get out there and build a, a great product or build a great service and try and sell it to you know people and let's make money for ourselves whereas that's not the culture in china the culture is more collectivist mm-hmm. so you know 500 um, e-commerce companies will come together in a business park and actually work to help each other um, launch their e-commerce businesses the UN on the Western world faster and so the time the time to market that I've seen out of some of the companies in China is just would make your head spin and, and that's what uh, you know it's going to be good for consumers I think but it's uh, it's going to be a, a problem if you think you're a startup American you know, e-commerce business and you're planning on you know taking six months to get launched whereas I've seen uh, it get done in less than a week. Mm-hmm. and uh, and then they launch 500 brands in
1: less than a week it kind of makes your head spin it is it is crazy uh even just you can learn just by seeing the construction sites in china is tw- almost 24 hours a day it seems like nonstop for the whole time i've been here even before and but yeah it's true it's a good point uh i've been to some of those e-commerce parks in in shenzhen and i think this goes back to even to factories a lot of times People that do sourcing from China will realize a lot of times the same products are in the same cities or same districts, uh, and that's even with rest, even with restaurants. Like uh, there's a, there's a, a joke with some of my friends that say uh, there was like a, a beach town in, outside of Shenzhen, and one restaurant opened that was like uh, a really obscure food, like pigeon pigeon and meat and fish or something like this and it was really busy so then all of a sudden a whole row of the same exact food lined up because they copy each other and they kind of cluster around each other in in China to and it kind of creates a market in itself so in a way it's I think foreigners we get annoyed with that or we get upset about that but it seems like in China like Chinatowns in the US or Chinatowns they kind of all come together and that helps scale like you said it goes faster it it builds a it builds a buzz around it and people will come my, my wife and i we lived in
0: korea for in seoul and korea for about three years three and a half years and uh, we kind of it was the first time we ever saw that which is you go to a particular shopping district and find out you're in the i don't know the rock climbing district and so every store you know there may be 20 stores so i know this particular case this is near where we lived you know, they all sell rock climbing stuff and they yeah. all sell the same stuff and yeah. whatever. And I thought, geez, that's 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 dumb. But then when you think about it, what it does is it signals to the consumer that if you want rock climbing gear, you need to walk to this particular district. So, therefore, everything that you'll ever want to buy is, is right there. So, anybody walking around in that area is looking for rock climbing equipment. And so, for the store owner, you know, you know, they they've put themselves they've created a market as you say um, but but it's better for them they'll, they'll sell more because you know people who come there are only looking for rock climbing equipment and it's, it, uh, I kind of I just didn't understand it but you know yes that you see it more now in you know in Hong Kong and uh, on the Kowloon side and you know just you know in uh, in Vietnam and you know pretty much all over Asia but you don't see it anywhere else mm-hmm. you don't see it in Australia the UK the US you know, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very weird. Yeah. Which goes back. I think it's a benefit. I, so yeah, I think if it, you want to eat, if you want to eat pigeon and fish, yeah. I mean, you don't have to think
1: twice, do you? You know you where know to go. Exactly <laughs> where to go. You don't have to. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's plus and minus on both sides. I think, yeah, like it goes back to <laughs> individualism of, uh, of, uh, of the West. It like, you know, to be independent and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, almost offended at others that try to follow what they do. Whereas in China or Asia, it's like you said, collect collectivism and they cluster together. In a way, maybe it's Mm -hmm. because, I don't know, in a way it seems like maybe lack of creativity in a way because they just see others doing it and they do it. But then it it also helps with scaling and marketing as a group because everybody's in that same area. So by having everybody doing the same thing together the market is developed more people all around it. Like you say, no pigeon and fish is here and, uh, yeah. and it grows everybody's business or at least the ones that are better able to service those people. Um, very cool insights. Look, you know, I think the, um,
0: you know, we, we obviously, we're talking about e-commerce, right? So Amazon, Amazon sellers right now is, you know, it's a, it's a reasonably easy business to get into and, and, you know, and, I've certainly seen some guys that are really just absolutely nailing it and I've seen a lot of people struggle with the technology of it but if you think of it Amazon is providing this wonderful marketplace so there's you know millions of customers searching for product every single minute and so that's where you want to be you want to be where the customers are
1: exactly
0: so you know whichever way we we talk about it the you know that's you know, our job is to sort of help people get that, you know, get their stuff or get their stuff that, um, and and, and you know, figure out what people want to buy and then you know, provide it in the most efficient way, and uh, everybody's happy. So,
1: it's true. It's true. So, for these investments, it's kind of the basics, isn't it? Really? So that's what. Well, I think it's trying to, trying to create uh, as much efficiency in the market. Uh, I think is the marketplace like Amazon or any marketplace they try to try to uh, level the playing field so so my next uh my next question is yeah I mean the the next big one I think is um is the middle
0: east with amazon mm, mm. that is true I was gonna say I was just I was gonna say with with amazon buying Sook.com dot com um, for an, a, an extraordinary amount of money so amazon is putting a lot of weight into Middle East being the next big market. So there's a lot of investment opportunity to to help um, sellers and providers get into the Amazon, you know, Middle East market because there's, you know, again a lot
1: of customers that are pretty underserved. True. True. Yeah, and, and I think Middle East is a pretty rich, you know, pretty rich uh, consumer that's willing to spend money, so it is a uh, seem like a good market. So my next question is these deal structures. I think I mentioned before we started recording was when I tried to raise money in some of my previous startups, a lot of times like American investors would say I'm too far away in Asia for their for their tolerance or for their portfolio. Is that, a, is that something still to take into consideration where a company is registered or where the team is based? At? You even mentioned a little bit before about online teams was maybe you'd like to have somewhat of an office. Does that... Does that matter, you think? Uh, look, maybe. I think, I mean, it's a pretty broad question because the,
0: um, look, the world is very global now. So, you know, a, a certain level of investor, you know, so long as they're investing in a regulated market, um, there's not really, I don't think there's really a concern. I think the average person still likes to invest close to home. It's kind of like the average, you know, the average person buys all their groceries within five miles of where they live. Um, so, there's still that local, you know, that's human nature, but more sophisticated investors are putting money wherever they want, um, so long as it's regulated. I know in the particular case, we're talking about, you know, having EU registered um, funds, but then having a Cayman's, um, you know, feeder fund that allows a more, you know, North American investor to, to invest into a structure that they're familiar with. And that then feeds back into the to EU structures, and again, it's the same thing. I mean, they're, they're registered in the EU because we expect a lot of investors from the EU um, and from the UK. Asian, Asian, or high-end Asian investors typically follow the American sort of American thinking. So, quite happy to invest in a Caymans Caymans-based fund, uh, and you'd, you know, you'd know the reason why you'd put them in different places in the world to. You know, there's no sense in paying more tax than you need to. You want to be legal, but you don't, you know, want to donate extra type things. So, but everyone understands all that. Um, and look, you know, individual. You know, there's there's big institutional guys that um, you know will only put a certain, you know, small amount into a private equity class. But look, you know, we we started with just a um, just a registered company, and um, you know, in Hong Kong. Anything less than 20 million doesn't need to be registered as a fund per se. So it's just a just a company. You, you're not going to get an institutional guy invest in something like that. It's mm. just simply too small. But once you once you open up to bigger investors, then you know you've got to go spend the money and time to create the fund structures and and uh, you make sure everyone you know ticks it off and find yourself a cornerstone investor, somebody with a name that will actually be the first guy in. Mm. and then on the back of it because people don't want to invest in something new they want to invest in something that's already running so yeah it i don't think the rules have changed i think okay. the uh everything that um everything that you would have been used to in your previous life
1: is still <laughs> is still valid all right yeah like i joke a lot on the on the show as uh, i kind of lose touch with my old life or the reality almost it's been years since I've been back even. So it's uh, I guess it gives us more opportunities, right? We're out here in Asia, we're on the ground, we're able to meet these, uh, these new startups and service providers. So is there a way to, at the same time, how, how does it matter if it's say you want you say you find opportunity to invest in a company, say it's an Amazon software company, just so they're registered, I, mean, I guess I'm wondering about due diligence or things like that. I mean, I wonder, or a lot of guys we talk to, uh, you know, are registered with Hong Kong or Singapore companies. Some might be in mainland China.
0: A Hong Kong company is, uh, you know, completely fine, you know, regulatory wise on a global scale. It's, it's, as, you know, as safe as. So I think the, uh, you know, yeah, we, we, we definitely, uh, you know, understand all those little details but the the bigger one is just meeting you know face to face and finding out what people are doing and seeing that there's proof that you know what they're doing is making you know they're making sales and um they've got an idea um the idea is defensible you know it's not something that somebody can just go and copy really quickly you know they they're taking care of intellectual property systemization you know uh, we've got a a fairly kind of robust way of looking at it. The um, um, but you know, as I said, my view is, you know, I'm looking to buy cheap. So um, we want to try and find companies that that are probably, in spite of themselves, they're making sales.
1: That they've got some obvious things that are that are wrong. Got it. Yeah. So that's definitely giving so, you an you know, something to improve upon and uh, and fix. That's great. And um, yeah. And
0: that look, that's why that's why I wrote that that book. I mean the that book was simply a view of like here's what here's how a private equity firm would look at a business here's what they're looking to be wrong because there's probably five or six things that are pretty much always wrong or always can be improved so if you go find them first that then tells you that you can find more opportunities to improve what they're doing and but then if you take the the 180 degree flip on that then what's written in the book is pretty much a recipe book for, well, if you just go fix these things in your company, then you've got half a chance of being able to have your company valued at a higher amount. Now that doesn't do me any good, but what it does <laughs> is any, you know, there's, there's going to be more people who will, who will read that book than we have the ability to buy. So therefore, you know, go ahead and, and, and build up your e-com business. And these are the kind of the mistakes that most people make, you know, so here's the, here's what not to do so go fix that and then look to sell your business uh, you know at a high multiple um i think that's to me that's the only way to think um so that's kind of where where we're at and look you know we we definitely if if any one of your listeners has got a, an ecom business or a services company that they you know they're thinking about maybe in the next 12 months it'd be nice to sell then i'd, I'd be happy to talk to them and even point out some things that they could do to improve it. Great. Um, whether we are interested in buying it or not. I mean, it's, you know, I think I believe in karma. So the more that you sort of give out, the more that comes back. So I'm, you know, I'm happy to happy to help in any way I can.
1: That'd be great. Which, yeah, we're getting towards the end of the, of the interview t- now. So, um, of course, I definitely recommend people check out your book. It's uh, 1mpayday.com. If people are interested in, uh, in 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 contacting about their business, what's the what's the general best best path to doing that?
0: Go to that website, download the book; it's free. As part of that, you've obviously given given across your email address. You'll get a few emails to some other videos, and those videos have got information about how to make direct contact, which is effectively through our uh, main website. But you know, we're we're very accessible. It's not you know we're not trying to hide between 20 layers of admins and people like that where again my business partner and i are very happy to help people that's all we do all day really is is talk we're either solving problems which is you know with what is generally that's that's about business isn't it yeah with, with the companies that um that we are involved in there's either problems or or you know we're talking and helping other people so i think that's the um that's the, the easiest way
1: very cool. All right. Is there uh, any other points you want to bring up? I know you're very busy, and appreciate your time sharing today. Is no look. Um. Uh, you know. Again, if uh,
0: if I can help you in any way, same thing with what you're trying to achieve. The uh, I think the more more we can get out and and the support sort of uh, the more Asian entrepreneurs and yeah. the Asian businesses, um, I think the the better. So I'm you know that's why I kind of live in the region is to, is to, is to help. So
1: great. All right. Well, I look forward to connecting and sharing this with, uh, with others to help them. So thanks so much for your time. No pleasure. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Murray. I had, I had a good one. I was also on our GFA VIP members. We had that live for those, that wanted to tune in and is available earlier for the supporting you can check that out at gfavip.com i always love that and we can help make connections as well and it supports the show and uh, don't got to get the change cup out and beg here but it's uh, it's an amazing program where we connect with others and and uh and have special offers do you guys listen to this? I wonder if it gets cut off. Actually, I don't know. If people that listen to the WeChat version of this podcast are going to get cut off at 30 minutes. Can you believe that they limit the length of podcasts to 30 minutes? So you might not be able to hear my fun little outros here. I'd just like to stick these in. For those of you that made it all the way to the end, I'd love to know if you make it to the end of these shows or you're like, oh man, just going to... Okay, the interview's over. I'm just going to cut this off and see you later. But... I had a couple of minutes to recap, and uh, I hope you guys appreciate that. It seems like you guys have been enjoying it. We have been getting more and more listeners and downloads, and people have been complimenting the show, so it makes me all warm and fuzzy inside. It makes the world hopefully a little bit, a little bit of a better place to live, although it seems there's been some crazy stuff happening lately with shootings and natural disasters and, uh, I don't know, the world... We got to just do our best to make it a little bit better. And I hope this show is helping make your life a little bit better. And by you listening, it makes me happy. So hopefully it's a win-win. That's it this week. See you soon. Bye. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.